Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, team previews continue, and we're here tonight talking about the Louisville Cardinals. How are you doing? You ready to go? Yep, team number two. You guys know I'm high on Louisville this year, and Ethan is going to give me... Oh, I already previewed our guest. Look at that. Ethan Moore <laughs> uh, from Louisville Sports Sports Live on 93.9 The Ville is joining us, and Joey, he is going to give me reasons why I should be excited about Louisville, but also some reasons for caution on the defensive side of the ball. My gosh, e- Ethan is a, an absolute treat to have on every time that we're able to get him. This is the third year now, Mike, that we've brought him on to help preview Louisville. And golly, has it been an emotional roller coaster of about a three-year span for the Louisville fan base. Um, you know, coming into 2018, and we felt like things were not going to go well in the post-Lamar Jackson era. They didn't. Then coming into 2019, we thought things were going to be awful, uh, just trying to rebuild the, the wreckage of what Bobby Petrino left behind. It wasn't. Um, and now we assume we think Louisville is going to be good again going into 2020. Um, had a really great conversation with Ethan about it and all the returning production and all the cultural changes. And uh, by the way, who Jeff Brom, who, who's that guy? We don't know. Yeah, who's that um, guy? Yeah. Come on. Who's that guy? Um, yeah. Really, really great preview. Really great conversation we had with Ethan Moore. So without any further ado, let's jump into that. Here is our conversation from earlier with Mr. Ethan Moore. All right, Mike, joining us now, uh, welcoming back to the podcast, Mr. Ethan Moore from Louisville Sports Live on 93.9 The Ville in Louisville. Ethan, it's it's been a while. I think every time you join us, there there's always something new and exciting to talk about with Louisville, but it is absolutely wonderful having you back on. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, guys, as always. It's a pleasure to, to speak with you. Looking forward to it. Well, we're, we're looking forward to it as well, and it's it's been really interesting. I can think back to our last two years of season preview conversations and going into the final year of the, the Bobby Petrino years, uh, you know, there was, we were very skeptical about the team going in and it went very poorly. And then coming into 2019, you know, we, we felt like brighter days were ahead, but it might be a rough year. And it ended up being absolutely just over the moon. Fantastic. I think for most of the, the Louisville fan base, you know, so coming into year two here, realizing that going into year one, you had Scott Satterfield, new hire. There was predictably, there was always going to be some apprehension about that hire from the Louisville fan base, just because his name wasn't Jeff Brom. But clearly the results of year one and and kind of the optimism looking into year two and beyond, I mean, 
the the fan base and the donor base have to find themselves in a in a position where you know the sky is the limit and and clearly the Scott Satterfield hire and his staff have been an absolute just godsend for this Louisville football program. You're exactly right. Um, godsend is this is a great way to describe it. And you know Jeff Brom, of course, that was the name going in. You know we were like 99% sure that was going to be the coach. It was just a matter of time uh, when, not necessarily if. So. Once uh, he turned uh, Louisville down and then the focus shifted on Scott Satterfield, you look at his resume going in, and it was really impressive, but you didn't know a lot about him. I mean, everybody was just Jeff Brom, and and that's it. Uh, But I tell you what, guys, that Notre Dame game, the first game of the season, Louisville lost 35-17, but – um, there was a there was a um, a part in that game in the first half. Louisville was actually up fourteen to seven. Once that happened, the team started to believe because uh, Coach Satterfield alluded to it after that game, and then the fans started to believe just after that first game. And then Louisville got on a um, a little two game streak. They beat Eastern Kentucky, which they were favored. They beat Western Kentucky, which they were favored, and then suffered a competitive loss to Florida State. Uh, that Louisville got down by 21, ended up coming up uh, in the, uh, midway through the fourth quarter, took the lead in that game, ultimately lost 35-24. But still, you could see glimpses. You could see the, this competitive spirit um, that was sorely missing um, in, Patino, in Petrino's last year. Uh, but, yes, you could see um, the on-the-field, um, what they got accomplished on the field, uh, you knew that the coach Satterfield was a player's coach. You knew the players were going to like him. And that's why I think a lot of the, the apprehension or nervousness came in from the cards, from Card Nation, because when you first saw Coach Satterfield speak, he was impressive. Again, he had a great resume from App State, but then he was like, you know, it's we need to love on these players. And once you heard that, most fans – um, harkened back to Steve Cragthorpe, who was the last quote-unquote players coach here. And I guess you could certainly make the argument for Charlie Strong as well. But when you heard the term player coach, most Cardinal fans remembered Steve Cragthorpe, and that was a disastrous hire in time in UFL football. Uh, but then again, um, he, he can be a player coach. He loves up on the players. The players can feel that respect and that love from the entire coaching staff, and it translated on the field. Eight and five ACC coach of the uh, of the year finished second in the Atlantic. Nobody in their right mind. Although I will give my co-host credit, who said he was talking about six or seven wins at the beginning of the year, and I looked at him like he was crazy. I thought maybe we could get the four, uh, but you could tell this team got better and better as the year went on. Of course, there's issues with defense. But the offense really came to its own, and then they beat um, an average Mississippi State team in the bowl game after they got down 14 to nothing to cap off a great year. So the sky's the limit for Louisville football heading in here to 2020. Hopefully we have a season. As of last week, it looks a lot better than it did maybe a couple of weeks prior. But I'm excited for Louisville football. The groundwork laid in year one is a fantastic foundation. Looking forward to the future. Ethan, you, you know, you mentioned the Notre Dame game in the opener and how competitive Louisville was, how good they were in the first half, and really how impressive they were throughout. Because, I mean, a lot of people looked at 
Louisville coming into that game and they were like, oh my God, they got to play Notre Dame who's coming off of a playoff appearance and mm-hmm. Notre Dame's returning most of their team and this could be real, real ugly. And it really wasn't. Um, Notre Dame wins that game, but Louisville's ultra competitive. Do you think, and, and you mentioned that, you know, it kind of turned your head, but overall, as far as the fan base is concerned with the hire um, of Satterfield and, and coming off of this, all the highs and all the lows, you know, thinking that you're going to have Jeff Brom and you don't. And then what did it take for the fan base to really have Satterfield as the guy and know that he's the guy. And was it the Notre Dame game? Was it further along in the season? Like, what do you think was the point of time where fans were looking at this saying, oh yeah, this is really going to work? Because I feel like even just one game against Notre Dame might not be enough in the opener. Well, so I'm going to stay with the foundation theme. I think that Notre Dame game was the foundation um, for the fans getting on board. But what for me, what happened, there was um, a two-game stretch. It was Boston College, then at Wake Forest. So Louisville um, uh, has Mikhail Cunningham, starting quarterback, goes out, to, uh, goes out to an injury in the second half against Boston College. It's a nip-and-tuck game. Mind you, Louisville hasn't won an ACC game in over a calendar year, so this was a massive game. So Evan Conley, a true freshman, comes in, and marches Louisville down the field, gets a couple crucial second-half, fourth-quarter touchdown drives. Louisville squeaks by Boston College 41-39. And I think that's when the fans are like, all right, I love this team's grit. I love this team's toughness. You're starting to see it. You get your first conference win. And then you follow it up the week later at Wake Forest, who was undefeated and in the top 20. uh, Louisville had – defense was optional that game cards won that one 62 to 59 but louisville started out i want to say got up by 21 points in the first quarter everything was clicking offensively defensively special teams uh and louisville had i believe a kickoff return and a punt return um, scored for touchdowns but you saw the execution on the field in those two games when it mattered now louisville's defense um, didn't have any depth last year, and it showed against Wake Forest because the Demon Deacons almost came back and won after being down um, 17, 20-ish points in the fourth quarter. Third, Louisville's defense was gassed. And luck, I mean, that was one of those shootout games where if Louisville doesn't score that many points, they're going to lose. Uh, whoever had the ball last um, was going to win. And those were the little steps. You saw that. You, you saw the team, how they handled themselves through adversity, and after those, that, those two wins, the Boston College win at home and then on the road against a team at the time that was ranked in the top 20 undefeated, that is what sold the fan base on Coach Satterfield. 100% after that, everybody was on board. And I tell you what, guys, the last time I heard Jeff Brom this much was when I spoke to you guys last year because he made us forget all about Jeff Brom and of course, Purdue had a terrible year last year. They 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 were bitten by the entry bug. I think they only went four and eight. Uh, and then on the flip side, you have Scott Satterfield doubling that win total um, and showing the fans the progress, not only on the field but off of it, the demeanor, um, the the true team attitude. And Scott Satterfield and staff ended up being the perfect fit at the right time for this football program. And 
like I said, Satterfield has made us forget all about Brom. I'm curious to see kind of how it translates over, you know, not just a one-year span, but call it a three, four, five-year span. You know, can they recruit at that level and kind of consistently build and maintain a program? But, man, for year one, like, for for what the expectations were for Louisville coming in versus what they ended up doing, I mean, that was like coach of the year territory for Scott Satterfield and his staff. So it was it was really impressive to see. And, and I think two of the real revelations for this team in, in 2020, as we start talking about the offense a little bit, were freshman running back Javian Hawkins and fresh or freshman, I guess, sophomore wide receiver Tutu Atwell. Um, two guys that really broke out for this team as go-to skill players. And uh, Tutu Atwell in particular is one that I, I just adore watching play. And, and I think that they do a lot of cool, unique things with him to get him the ball in places that he can be successful. But man, with as much as this offense has coming back, there's a couple offensive linemen to replace, but otherwise, I mean, it is like everybody's coming back and you just really have reason to think that this is more of a building exercise than a rebuilding exercise. Absolutely. Um, on both sides of the ball, quite honestly, yeah, you mentioned it. JV and Hawkins rushed for over 1500 yards, had nine touchdowns, almost average six yards per carry uh, Two to Atwell over 1,200 yards, 18 yards uh, per catch, and then 11 touchdowns. He has elite-level speed. If he gets to the corner, he'll score. Uh, and then the coaching staff did a great job um, at those little touch passes, getting him the ball in space, allowing him to make plays. And he did that time and time again. Another receiver, Des Fitzpatrick, a senior who has been steady as well, had 35 catches over 600 yards. He, he, like Tutu, averaged 18 yards a catch and took it to the house six times. So he's another uh, veteran that returns, as um, does our tight end or H-back, Marshawn Ford, a local kid um, who had a fantastic story. He was on the team as a walk-on, earned a scholarship. He had 20 receptions, and of those 20 receptions, seven of those were touchdowns. So Credit Scott Satterfield and the uh, and the offensive staff for for getting those guys in a position to make plays. But let's talk about Mikhail Cunningham. I am not exaggerating, guys. Under Petrino, he struggled to throw 15, 20-yard out routes. He had he didn't have very good mechanics. His aim was off, and you know it was a mess to be quite honest with you. But then he comes in. I mean. Now, his only issue uh, for me was his um, inability to stay healthy. I mean, by and large, he did because he played most every game, but there were several games where he got knocked out um, with with injuries. Boston College, Wake Forest was one. Um, I want to say um, there, was, there was a couple other ones um, as well. Florida State, he got hurt right at the very end. And so – if he can and he's and he's he's gained muscle and added some weight in the offseason, if he can stay healthy, I mean, look out. Sky's the limit for this offense. They have weapons. And then uh, I just forgot to mention uh, the backup running back, Hassan Hall, who many thought uh, this time last year he was going to win the starting job at running back. We did. I mean, we talked about a, that. Absolutely, yes. So, But he still had a solid season as well. I mean, Hassan Hall rushed for uh, over 500 yards, five touchdowns, four and a half yards per carry. So he did well, but then everybody was assuming that Hall 
was going to be the guy running back, but instead it was Hawkins, and then Hawkins puts up over 1,500 yards. I mean, he's getting some All-American love nationally. Uh, it's well-deserved, but it's, it's, it's because of the staff uh, revamping the toughness, the mental side of things, a game plan that fits, um, play calling that fits. It was it was a it was a great all around coaching job, and where the fans could watch them develop throughout the year. This was not the same team in September in September as they were in December when they beat Mississippi State in the bowl game. I want to circle back on Mikel Cunningham real quick um, because I learned recently that he fell like one pass short of qualifying for several NCAA efficiency numbers. And he would have been the second most efficient passer in college football last year behind Joe Burrow. That's really, really good company, Ethan. And you talked about, you know, his development under Satterfield, the fact that, you know, he wasn't able to throw 10 and 15 yard out routes on a consistent basis under Petrino. And it seems like he's really cleaned that up. So you touched on this briefly as far as like sky's the limit is concerned, but go into a little bit more detail about what you think the ceiling actually is for Cunningham, because I feel like we really saw, especially the back half of last year, just how good he could be. Absolutely. Well, for me, I think there's two parts of consistency. Um, Not allowing yourself to take as many crazy hits as he did. Um, He was slower to kind of slide. He put his body at risk several times where I think that it wasn't needed, but he's a, he's a slender guy. I mean, he got hurt um, in preseason camp um, and probably uh, only practiced about a week or two at the most. And then he wasn't even anywhere near 100% until um, the Western Kentucky game. That's the third game of the year. And that's because Juwan Pass, the highly rated quarterback prospect, never really panned out. He had turf toe. He was out for the year. So – you you talk about the job uh, that the staff did in more detail. Case in point, you have your starting quarterback who played all of spring ball, all of fall camp, ready to go. He gets hurt the second game of the year. You're going to come in here with a with a kid in Cunningham that's played some quarterback, wasn't very impressive, and then not only that, but you put in a true freshman and Evan Conley as his backup. And there was a time, another game, in that Western Kentucky game where Cunningham was hurt. You put in Evan Conley, and guys, I want to say if it wasn't his first series, it was his second, where you have a true freshman through a, a, a 60-yard bomb to 2-2 Atwell for a touchdown. I mean, it was on a rope, and you're like, oh, my gosh, the staff can coach some football. And so <laughs> now, get, give it uh, you know, another 12 months. Why I think the offense is going to be so explosive, they know what they know what to expect. There's no more installing of the offense. It's installed. They know how to run it. You have everybody else coming back. I mean, eight starters return. There's going to be uh, two newcomers on the offensive line, Adonis Boone and Renato Brown. Um, both of them got several snaps last year. Um, so I'm, co- I'm confident in that. Now, if there's a question mark offensively, it is the offensive line depth. I think the starting the starting five will be very good, very solid, um, but there's still going to be uh, room for for adding depth on the O line. But as far as the skill players are concerned, guys, I mean Hawkins at Hall at running back, and then we've been talking about him uh, at nauseum. Tutu Atwell, Des Fitzpatrick, Justin Marshall is also another name 
in the wide receiver room. Uh, Braden Smith is a JUCO newcomer who is who is very quick. Um, has been getting some reps as well. So Lula has depth um, at the running back spot and at the wide receiver spot. Uh, again, a little bit of a question mark for me is the offensive line depth, but uh, it's the quarterback spot and the quarterback depth has been proven time and time again, and that just goes to show you. I mean, the great job that Coach Satterfield and staff have done because not only is the product much improved on the field, you can see these guys, um, the second teamers, the third teamers even, grow as the season went along, and they play with a lot of confidence. And something um, that was not the case when you go 2-10 and and get smacked by 50 every game, they didn't have confidence uh, the year prior. They played with it now, and even more so. You can just tell – uh, with the coaching staff intact, they only lost one coach, and that was the linebacker coach who went back to App State to become the defensive coordinator. But the rest of the coaching staff returns. And then defensively, this will be the same defensive coordinator that this program has had since 2016 with Todd Grantham. So they're going to have that stability on that side of the ball as well, the same terminology, playbook, et cetera. All of, that, all of that is at their disposal, and I think that's why this team is going to be so much better even than the 8-5 and five campaign last year. That was where I wanted to go next, Ethan, was that we, we are singing the praises, and, I mean, it was just it was astounding how good and well-coached the offense was at a number of points last year. The unfortunate side of that is that Louisville wasn't on offense all 60 minutes of the game. Um, they also had to turn the ball over and, and play defense at times. Um, and that was where things didn't really go as well. Louisville had gave up the most points per game in the conference. Um, there were a lot of, a lot of issues defensively, but on the flip side of that, well, at least it was pretty well improved in, in several cases from the year before. So there was definitely some growth. And as you mentioned, there's going to now be some continuity at the defensive coordinator position for the first time in a while. And I mean, Brian Brown has led some really good defenses for Scott Satterfield for years with almost everybody back coaching staff, still pretty much intact. Like all this, there is a lot of reason to think that the defense can take another pretty good step forward here going into this fall. You mentioned it. You were, you were talking about Joey, how the, how the defense made strides. They shaved 11 points off per game average. And then yet, they still gave up more points than anybody else. So you, you could see... If, you, if you're trying to remember how bad how bad 2018 was, it, I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you would get that confused if you watch Louisville go out there, I'm not even going to say play defense, but act like they were doing something defensively. I mean, you, you would forget that... Um, tackling was part of the uh the defensive scheme because they just were just i mean a lot of times it was like matadors i mean are, are you all playing you know flag football two in touch what are we doing out there but you saw some some areas of growth there in, in the five losses you had um competitive losses against notre dame and florida state and even clemson i mean you look at the score it's 45 to 10 but still um that was a uh, i think it was just a touchdown lead or maybe a 10-point lead for Clemson going into the second half. I mean, nobody thought Lowell was going to win, but they made it competitive um, for a half of Clemson. The ugliness um, was towards the end of the year. They got blown out at Miami 52-27. I mean, it was an all-systems failure that game. 
uh, did bounce back and beat NC State, uh, then Syracuse at home, but then they gave up 34 points and a win to Syracuse. And that was just when it was evident that the defense was gassed for the season. Then the following week, as much as I hate to say it, uh, Kentucky blew them out again, which is not going to sit well, racked up uh, 45 points. And then their quarterback, Lynn Bowden, uh, rushed for like, I think it was an SEC and school record. It was like 400-something yards. I mean, it was just, they told us, they told UofL where they were going to run the ball, and they still did it. But it was a depth issue. It was, they didn't have the numbers. And then, you know, we lost our best um, corner in Rush East. So, um, again, a depleted secondary and a a depleted defense took another big hit as he was hurt in the Syracuse game. Um, But then, after being rested, they played um, a Mississippi State team with one of the best running backs in the in, in the SEC, held him in check. Now he was also hurt early on in the first quarter, um, but still he was starting. He was he gave it a go, but Louisville made plays. Um, and after after got down by 14 points, the scheme was much more impressive. They pressured the ball, they blitzed, um, and then when they did blitz, they didn't pay for it. They either got the quarterback, they got the pressure. Or they made a play once the once the quarterback got the ball out of his hand. Earlier before that, with this defense, you would still see missed tackles, not near as many as you did the year before. You would see missed tackles. You'd see um, players not lining up correctly, giving giving uh, giving up huge plays. But in that bowl game, with three or four weeks rest and preparation, I think that's why a lot of Louisville fans are excited because they certainly weren't perfect. They gave up 28 points, but they also made a bunch of plays, a couple fumbles, interceptions, a few sacks, uh, several pass breakups. Uh, but you liked that they were pressuring Mississippi State all game long, and so they made plays off of that pressure. They played fast. They made great open field tackles. And now, while there's still a lot of room for improvement, um, that ball game was, was a great springboard into 2020. Ethan, defensively, I mean, you you talked about the struggles last year. So what do you think it's going to take this year and year two to really just continue making progress? Because, I mean, they made great strides a year ago. You know, they improved their overall, you know, points allowed per game by 11 points, which is pretty substantial given how bad the defense was two years ago under Petrino. But what else is it going to take this year? And what is going to give the fan base some comfort that, Hey, look, if we don't score 40 points per game, we're still going to have a chance to win. Well, I think you're going to have, again, I think having the same defensive coordinator like I mentioned earlier, that's going to be – that's number one, to have the same terminology, the same coach, the same expectations. Um, You know, there's a lot of these kids where Brian Brown was the third coordinator in three years. I mean, how confusing would that be, Um, you know, if you're you're a college football player? You have – three different coaches, three different schemes, three different sets of terminology, but now you finally have the same one. You're on the same page there. I love guys, our linebacking core. Yasir Abdullah, Dorian Etheridge, C.J. Avery, and Rajay Burns. I, be, I truly believe this is one of the top five linebacking groups in the ACC. Um, they've, all made, they've all made plays repeatedly. Avery, Burns, and Etheridge are all seniors, so they're seasoned vets. 
I also like the secondary as well. I mentioned earlier, Rush East, he was hurt the last two games of the year. Uh, however, he is back. He's going to be starting at the, at the strong safety position. Chandler Jones, Anthony Johnson are the cornerbacks. Um, also, Marlon Character uh, played in the secondary some. He was a, he was a JUCO get, uh, was solid, not very consistent, but solid. Isaiah Hayes uh, was also going to be right now in pencil. Uh, the the other safety prospect. He was a transfer from Arizona. The coaches loved him, but he had several injuries throughout last year, could never get a solid footing and play in back-to-back weeks. Uh, now he is also on the mend, so I think the secondary is going to be uh, a formidable group too. Now depth right there is a concern, but unfortunately defensively, the, the defensive line, and Louisville runs a 3-4, um, they, they return a couple kids. Uh, but we haven't seen anything remotely um, consist- consistently, consistent-wise or per- a lot of production, to be quite honest. Um, Monty Montgomery leads in sacks, uh, but he's not even on the defensive line. He's, a, he's one of the linebackers. Um, so, Jadarian Boykin, he's a four-star uh, defensive end prospect. Uh, he didn't make grades, but I, I, he sat out and went to a prep school, so he signed for this class. He was in Satterfield's first recruiting class. Didn't make grades. They kept in contact, so he's still in the fold now. Uh, and then Tiberius Peterson and Jared Goldwater, those are two other guys. that played well in spurts, but just not consistently enough. They struggle mightily with more athletic and bigger offensive lines. Again, I hate to admit it, but Kentucky simply dominated them up front. They got no push at all. And then, uh, you know, UK opened up lines where you could drive a Brinks truck through it. Uh, so Miami, that was another line that they struggled with. Clemson, obviously. Florida State, some. Um, I think we'll battle back better there in the second half. But the de- defensively, I really like Louisville's linebacking core. I like the secondary. Yeah, there is a concern, but then the defensive front for me is where Louisville has a lot of question marks. And quite honestly, uh, Yaya Daibi is a, a two-call All-American that should figure to, to get first and second team run as well. There's a couple newcomers, both Daibi and the Boykin kid. Those are people who are expected to play on the two deep. But I, you know, I can't tell you all anything more about them than they were very talented at the Juco and high school level. They've got to play a snap for UofL. They figure to play um, a huge role on the defensive line. So there's going to be more depth there, but can that translate into more playmakers making plays on a consistent basis, getting that pass rush when they need it, uh, and not just in spurts? That's the major key for me defensively is the defensive line. Ethan, let's jump over and talk about the schedule real quick. And, of course, going into the season, schedule is a relative term. Um, We don't really have dates um, as much as we have teams and places, and that's about as good as we got for now um, as we record this. But wanted to look into this, and what we have for Louisville's 10 games, home against Florida State, Miami, Syracuse, Wake Forest, and Virginia Tech, away games at Boston College, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, and Virginia. And I know – Coming on to this uh, recording, before we started recording, you told us you were really excited about this schedule. Uh, tell me, what what is the piece of this that really sticks out to you? Is like, this is really a good spot for Louisville to be in with this this set of matchups. 
Well, I mean, I just like the fact that you have you have the ten league games, and then you have a, you have another non conference matchup. I would be I wouldn't be opposed at all if the ACC went this route. I mean, to be quite honest with you, or if they just moved it up another non conference game to nine. I do like the fact that Notre Dame, since they're going to be playing an ACC uh, schedule, um, that they are you know agreed to. Uh, share their NBC television contract with everybody like they should have since the ACC was um, doing the same. But I think Lola has some challenges. I mean, you play a Notre Dame team who's basically consensus top 10. Virginia Tech comes to town for the first time since the 90s in a good old Metro Conference space. They're, uh, they're getting a lot of preseason top 25 love. And then you have an exciting home schedule as well. Not only did the Hokies come to town, Florida State does, Miami. Um, and sorry, and Miami is while they're you know they blew Louisville out and only finished six and seven. I mean, you have two major college football brands, and you can throw Virginia Tech in there as well. Three big name brand names coming into Cardinal Stadium this year when that wasn't the case. Uh, now Virginia Tech and Florida State were scheduled, but not Miami. And then on the road, you have. Um, Notre Dame, you get to go up to South Bend. The first time U of L ever went up to South Bend, they they beat Notre Dame uh, 38-21-28 uh, up there. Uh, I like the fact that there's a lot of winnable road games. Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, um, Boston College. Those should be games where Louisville is favored to win. Uh, and so we were breaking it down on our show, Louisville Sports Live, last week. Um, and there was a lot of people saying, I'm a little go undefeated, 9-1. I'm like, well, let's pump the brakes there. I uh, certainly think um, if you look right now, and depending on the sports book, I think there's only one game on Louisville's schedule where they will be a decided underdog, and that's at Notre Dame. Now, I also think you have three 50-50 games, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Miami, in my opinion, are 50-50 games. Um, so... Those could go either way now, like the fact that it's at home, but if there's no fans in the stands, it's not really going to matter a whole lot anyways. So um, I like the fact that, you know, Pittsburgh's going to give um, Louisville a run for their money. But I think all those other teams, Louisville should be able to beat comfortably. And, Joey, I know they, they owe uh, Georgia Tech something after that that bludgeoning a couple years ago. Goodness gracious. Shout out Brian Van Gorder on that one. Oh, yeah. Friend, friend, friend of the show. What, BVG. <laughs> Every time BVG. I see your all stuff on Twitter, I, I, I just default to BVG. And, Mike, I think you said something about, I mean, like, I'm just telling you right now, he is all, like, I, and, he, and I wasn't singing his praises either, but I remember, like, this dude is terrible. He is awful. <laughs> I don't know how he has a job. Sure enough, I mean, I tried to warn you, buddy. I tried to warn you. You did. Oh, oh, you did. And it was, I mean, goodness gracious. And then he somehow landed another defensive coordinator job at Bowling Green. It's like, how in the world does he continue to get hired? But yeah, back to the schedule. I mean, DVG, I just got the shakes. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, but but this schedule, it, it's competitive, but it also gives Louisville um, a, a, a chance uh, to do some damage. Uh, half the teams, I think, or there's six of the ten teams that won at least eight games last year. Um, well, I take that back, five, because Louisville normally plays Clemson. You talk about a huge break there. Louisville doesn't have to play Clemson. Now, I still think, and personally, it, it's 
it's too soon and it's it's not accurate to put that much pressure on year two team going ten and zero or nine and one. I think um, eight and two, seven and three, certainly in the cards, pun intended. Uh, I would be I would be disappointed with anything less than seven and three, given this team and then given this given the schedule. But overall, I think it's a very challenging schedule. Um, Louisville should win uh, several games handily. Uh, but there's going to be, like I said, I think there's three of those toss-up games. Um, but, I mean, this is what you want. Coming into the ACC, Louisville's just their sixth year. This is what you want. And, and no game is going to be easy. Georgia Tech's improved under Coach Collins. You talk about he's getting athletes everywhere. Uh, they're going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with here soon. I think Louisville then also goes back to Atlanta the following year or either 20 or 21 or 22 um, and then that, I know then they have to play Duke with their other crossover. Now, who knows uh, with the scheduling? Uh, maybe maybe the ACC can go um, to a to a divisionless conference. I think we asked that on our on our Twitter poll show last week. Eighty percent, eighty twenty said, um, let's go with the with divisionless football. And I think that's that's exciting in and of itself. Even if Louisville doesn't make it to Charlotte, I mean. You gotta love this common sense. Let's just—we're gonna have 15 teams play. How about the two best teams play each other for the conference championship? Who cares about the division? That's how it should be, and so that's another reason why I'm so excited about this schedule. And I'll, I just want to see whoever the two best teams are go battle out in Charlotte. Well, Ethan, as I, I've told you before, I my, my father was raised in Louisville. I, I like Louisville is my second fandom in the ACC, and so it's. It was really exciting seeing them bounce back as well as they did last year. And, and it's exciting looking forward and thinking what they could be uh, as Mike throws the L's up on the camera as we uh, were on the video call here. But I thank you so much for coming on. This has been a, a really insightful and, and thorough preview of, of the Louisville season or what we expect it to be at this point. Um, we'll have to keep keep an eye on what, what ends up actually transpiring between now and game starting. But uh, in any case, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. You want to tell the people where they can find you and uh, and your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. LouisvilleSportsLive.net is the website. We're on Twitter, at Elville Sports, without an O, live. And then if you want to uh, follow any of my nonsense, underscore Ethan Moore on the Twitter sphere as well. And like you said, guys, I'm just ready for football. Whenever I'll get it. However, if they don't want us in the stands, that's fine. If they want to kick off every game at noon, I don't care. I just want to see football. Join the club. We're right there yep. with you. <laughs> 100%. Well, guys, thanks Ethan. for having me on. I certainly appreciate it, man. It's always fun chatting ACC football with you guys. Every time, man. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. And we uh, hope to have you on again soon. All right, guys. Y'all have a good week. All right. Thanks. You too. Me. Take care. Stay safe. Yes, sir. All right, Mike, once again, that was Ethan Moore of 93.9 The Bills, Louisville Sports Live. Great conversation that we had with him. Pretty reasonably high expectations for Louisville coming to this year. Honestly, a team that could be a dark horse in the running for a conference title game appearance, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I think they're one of the best teams in the ACC. I think they're going to give a lot of teams a lot of issues because of the speed they have on offense. Defense is the major question, though, as Ethan alluded to. But I think, you know, the range that he gave, um, seven, eight wins, I think is pretty reasonable. 
um, especially coming off of the year they just had to essentially have seven or eight conference wins given the schedule, I think is a, is a fair estimate. And quite honestly, if we're grading him on a curve, just given how different the schedule is this year, I think that would be a, another step forward for Scott Satterfield in year two. Yeah. And it's, I can see a little bit of variance. I get a little bit nervous with this comfort that we get watching a program, you know, jump up year over year and thinking, oh, yeah, this is sustainable. But at the same time, you know, it's a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds. You know, you, you don't know how consistent necessarily they can always be. So I, I can see a little bit more range. But at the same time, I, I look at this and we mentioned that they're going to miss Clemson on the schedule. And at that point, I don't see a game on this schedule that Louisville can't win. I mean, right. and as we mentioned, I think in our, our season preview podcast, there, there's one game on here that we can sit here and say on August 2nd, unless something really drastically changes, which in 2020, nothing really changes much day to day at all. So no, definitely not. Yeah. So we're in good shape here, but um, unless anything really drastically changes, they will be a pretty big underdog to Notre Dame. And other than that, they should be at least a small underdog, if not favored, in every other game on the schedule. But what I was going to say, Mike, was that in our season preview podcast, we talked about if you give me Louisville at, you know, three or four to one to win that game, I'll take that. Like, they looked pretty competitive last year in game number one against that same Notre Dame team. I don't hate their chances, if depending on the odds that you're giving me. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's definitely the toughest game on their schedule. Um, I, I like in South Bend for what it's worth in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the schedule overall. And I mean, you're right. Outside of the Notre Dame game, I don't see a game really on the schedule where you look at and be like, you know what? Louisville doesn't really have a chance to win that game because even the game against Notre Dame, I mean, we saw what Louisville did at home against Notre Dame in the opener last year. And yeah, you could say it's the opener and yeah, you could say it was at home. It's different than being on the road, but Louisville was leading in that game 14, seven. They look competitive the entire first half and who's to say they won't be competitive again. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, right. I mean, I'm just saying it's a, you know, it's a game that they could potentially win. And I, I'm with you. I mean, there'll be an underdog there and that'll be a tough game for them. But I mean, just given, given the odds, depending on what you're getting, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see a Louisville upset there. They got speed at every position on offense. that could give Notre Dame a ton of trouble. And if Notre Dame's offense has a hard time getting it going in that football game, as they did for several games last year, sure. I think Louisville could pull an upset there, but outside of that, you know, look at the home schedule, Florida state, Miami, Syracuse, VT, Wake Forest, you know, obviously the tough games there, in my opinion, are probably going to be Miami and Virginia Tech. Um, we don't really know what Florida State's going to be at this point. Uh, but I think those are probably the two toughest games, not only at home, but also throughout the rest of the schedule. Because I think this road schedule is pretty manageable. Boston College, Georgia Tech. We talked about Notre Dame already, but then Pitt and UVA. I mean, look, I, I, I'm going to peg Louisville at seven and three. Um, I, I'm going to say that, you know, they lose to Notre Dame and just given kind of the issues they've had on defense, some issues they've had um, with some inconsistency on the offensive line. You're also losing a couple of guys, but Kai Becton's a big one, obviously losing him to the NFL draft. I'm going to say seven and three. And, you know, I, I think the Cardinals will be very good. I certainly think they could be better than seven and three, but I think seven and three right now is, 
you know, pretty reasonable given the schedule, what they have returning, the skill position talent, the fact that Mikhail Cunningham is one of the most efficient passers in the country. I think all of that together is a good reason to be high on the Cardinals in year two under Satterfield. A complete and total, I, I mean, you mentioned the three years we've had with Ethan Moore where we thought they'd really suck with Petrino. That was the case. We thought that they'd be kind of disappointing in year one just because of what Scott Satterfield inherited and they really just exceeded expectations and he was ACC coach of the year. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, great coach. They're recruiting well, really good skill position, talent, good quarterback. Why can't they be good? Uh, so it's really going to be about the defense and, um, you know, the schematics of kind of what they're doing on that side of the football and can they become more consistent? I think that's the real question with Louisville, but I don't see any reason why they can't win seven, eight games. Um, anything less than that, I think, would be a little bit surprising, just kind of given the the slate that they have now with the 10 conference games. I do think anything less than seven wins would be pretty disappointing. And that's, it, it, again, that's a pretty weird thing to say in a 10-game season when a year ago we were just like, maybe they can win three games? You know, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, Mike. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. Um I look at this schedule, I, I'm going to pencil in a loss at Notre Dame, but then there's there's only three other games that really stick out to me that are particularly scary, and it's home against Miami, home against Virginia Tech, on the road at Pittsburgh. Um, and again, two of those three at home, that's a good sign. Um, I'm going to go eight and two. I, I think there is, again, I think there's plenty of room for fluctuation there, um, but Again, continuity on both sides of the ball. Louisville gets most of their returning production back, uh, especially, you know, again, you have the quarterback, all the skill talent. You know, you've got to replace a couple starters in the offensive line, but so much returning there and then so much returning on defense where you have another year of building with the same coaching staff. I just I feel like there's a lot to like here about this team and this schedule. Uh, I, I think Louisville has high, high potential this year. I'm not going to give you uh too much of a hassle because i know this will happen with some of my record predictions too we gave our uh a couple episodes ago now we gave our conference predictions and i talked about how high i was on louisville and now you're higher on louisville than i am so i can't wait to do the redo after we go through all these conference previews which was the point of that exercise that we did at the beginning of it mm -hmm. that was the point mm -hmm. that was the point of it to see if okay we talked to beat writers maybe we drink the kool-aid a little bit and our minds change that's what we did this for. So we're seeing it in the second episode of our season previews. I love it. I'm ready to be hurt, Mike. I'm ready to be hurt again. Ready to be hurt again. That's right. I, I actually look forward to going through. Um, and, and so you realize that 15 teams are going to play 10 games each. So and then divide that by two. So there will be 75 ACC games this year if I am doing my math right. So there should be 75 wins and 75 losses. I can't wait until I add up all of my record predictions and there's like 115 wins of those 75 games. Um, so I, Wow, that's weird. Yeah, crazy. Um, that, you know, again, I'm going to be pumped up about secretly decent like Duke or whoever. Like, I don't know. It's, anyways, we're not really trying to do this for uh, mathematical stability at this point, but... We'll come back and uh, make fun of ourselves here in a couple of weeks. I promise you that. I just want a football season. You're talking about mathematical stability. I, I just want a football season for my mental stability. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going Please. to go 
absolutely insane this fall. So I need football. <laughs> I need football. We will, uh, we will be driving ourselves insane trying to come up with podcast content twice a week this fall if there's no football games. We'll find we a way. Again, we'll we're contractually obligated, Mike. We have to. We have to. We are. Anchor pays us. <laughs> sort of. Um, Mike, anything <laughs> yeah, else? Sort of is right. Sort of is right. Um, no, nothing uh, Nothing else. I think Louisville has a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, I got him at 8-2. and two. You got him at 7-3. Um, again, that, that could change, but they, they seem like they're in a really good spot, and, and I really like what this coaching staff was able to do in year one, and you just have to see kind of what they're able to do, continue building going into year two and beyond. So we will we'll keep an eye on that. But, again, great preview that we did here with Ethan Moore. Um, thanks again to him. He was a, a really insightful, informed resource, and, and it's always a treat, again, having him on the, on the show. So thanks again to, to him for coming on. Mike, we're going to get out of here. We're going to keep previewing teams. This is two down. Uh, we've got yep. 13 to go. Uh, so we're going to keep working on these and, and churning them out here over the next few weeks. Uh, probably going to be a couple of road games involved, but, you know, it is what it is. We're going to just kind of play through it. I think that's all we can do in 2020, Joey. <laughs> just play through it. That's play. motto for the year. Yeah, it's just, just play through it. We're ready to be hurt again. But also wear your mask. So that, that, well, Please, that's, for uh, the love of God. Wear your mask, even if you don't. No. Yeah, anyway, wear them. None Please. of these previews matter. If people don't wear masks. So that's, um, that's right. That and then we can watch football. Um, all right. We're going to get out of here and go preview some more teams. In the meantime, Mike, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniels uh, SI. I almost said CFB. Man, uh, 2020 is getting the best of us. Um, back, baby. That's right. We are together at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you can find Ethan Moore at underscore Ethan Moore on Twitter uh, for all of your Louisville content and much, much more. So please do that. Uh, Mike, they can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free, but especially on Anchor. And we appreciate those who have. Um, you, they can send us questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address no demand basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And we have actually gotten a couple of inter, uh, uh, emails recently with people kind of trying to uh, load us up with questions that they want answered by uh, the, the guests that we have on for our preview podcast. So if there's something that you want us to ask a, a true expert on your team, please email it to us. Once again, basketballpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate those who have. Uh, Mike. You want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Please do. Please do. Appreciate those who have. Um, rate, review, subscribe, share us with your friends. Again, everybody's got a, an ACC friend out there. Um, appreciate those who have. And, and we uh, look forward to wel welcoming in some more new listeners here as we start up the new season. Mike, that's all I got. You want to get out of here? Yeah, man. Two down, 13 to go. Shout out, ND. Because <laughs> you know, we're now at 15. It's one more we have to do in a shortened time frame because we started these later than we ordinarily would because it's 2020 and COVID sucks. Uh, all we're saying here is that whatever happens from here, just blame it on Notre Dame. It's their fault. It's ND's fault. It always is Notre Dame's fault. But thanks for the TV money, Irish. That's right. That's right. Shout out NBC. Um, all right, Mike, we're going to get out of here and uh, come back and preview some teams. We'll talk then. Yep. All right. 
Well, for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. And uh, once again, a big thanks to Ethan Moore for joining us on this Louisville preview. We're going to come back and preview some more teams. And until then, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Until then, go ACC.